and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Kathy DeMarcos, I am so excited to have you on the She's the Boss Chats podcast. Thank you for joining me today. It is an absolute pleasure. Like, I cannot tell you. (laughs) You're such a dag. All right, let's start off by telling everyone what you're doing now and why you're doing it. So, gosh, there's so many streams to me, but the the reality is, is that I guess I'm a really big believer that you need to be the whole of you, you know, all the time. And I don't, don't, I don't wear a mask for work and a mask for, you know, my philanthropical work and a mask for me being a mum. It's actually the whole of me, right? Yeah, right. And I'm just, so that everyone knows, we're not talking face masks for COVID you're talking about. (laughs) I think people normally say different hats, but anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, a, I'm a really big believer that, um, you know, if you actually allow yourself to be seen for who you are, then people can relate. Um, yeah. And also actually just be themselves as well. It's almost like you give them permission. And so, you know, as a day job, <laughs> I, yeah. I call myself, I guess, the alchemist of, of strategy. You know, I actually know how to look and listen, you know, to what people are actually sharing with me. I hear, more importantly, what they don't say. Ah. <laughs> and then through that, it is the navigational process of working out what they really want to do. Um, so my background is actually finance and business, so scaling okay. businesses. Yeah. But I'm also a qualified counsellor. Right. <laughs> there's no escaping, Jules. <laughs> I don't want to escape. <laughs> um, and so I really bring a very different perspective, uh, I guess, to the lens of work. You know, I actually look at work as your place of joy. Um, so do I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're talking about helping people find that work that does bring them joy as well, I guess. Yeah, Absolutely. So if I wanted to come and work with you, what would you describe yourself as? I'm still not quite 100% sure. Are you coaching people? Are you speaking, writing, all of the above? I'm a business advisor. I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. Yes, and I am actually a speaker. I've done a TEDx and I've written a few books, you know. Wow. It's the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, I really have a limitless belief, you know. So if I set my mind on something, I basically just go out and do it. Um, I love that. And most importantly, I actually take people on the journey with me because that's the biggest thing for me. You know, this isn't a – I don't live on an island. And so anything that I know is actually about gifting knowledge and bringing others on the journey with me. It's really simple. Oh, my God. No wonder (laughs) I love you. Okay. So – Um, And I know there's another thing that you haven't talked about yet. So, actually, before we go any further, let's talk about what you're doing in Africa. Because that kind of blew my tiny mind. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I actually smile. Like I grin whenever I think about, you know, the work that we're doing in Africa. That um, we basically developed leadership programs that start with young kids. You know, I'm a big believer that – We've got all this knowledge, but why are we waiting until, you know, we're 
adults to actually yeah. pass that on. You know, okay. can you imagine the, the stuff that you actually know now, if you knew it as a child, how it would change your trajectory? And that is so true, yeah. That's my So that's my philosophy. So leadership programs actually start from the age of 12 and there are four different programs and they actually run over, you know, four and six weeks, then six-month programs. And for me, it's actually about building um, and teaching them skills that aren't necessarily actually taught in school. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So for me... You know, I um, I see that as where I actually want to be when I grow up. You know, that's all I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> Why Africa, though? Oh, well, do you remember when Ebola broke out? Yes, I do. Very well. <laughs> I had a 16-year-old um, at the time who was saying, you know, I'm going to finish school next year and I want to volunteer. And so she landed in Africa. Oh, God, no, no sort of helping the salvos in Sydney or anything. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, for me it was really actually um, honouring her and respecting that she wanted to do something that, you know what, I hadn't even contemplated. You know, so whilst my husband was sitting there going, ah, oh, no, you're not, for me I was putting on my hat of, hang on, let me mitigate risk, let me find a way and let me actually enable you to actually do what you want to do. And so that became a three-month journey for her. She actually was there for three months. Um, I joined wow. her for two of it. Yeah. And this is during Ebola? This is during Ebola. Whoa. Um, and, <laughs> and we actually spent time living with the Maasai. So we spent three weeks actually living in the middle of Goro Goro. Oh, wow. Um, and that changed my trajectory. You know, um, and so I have continued to go over there, you know, over the past seven years doing a whole array of things from working in orphanages to putting in water tanks, you know, helping to build schools. Um, and wow. then it evolved to mentoring um, entrepreneurs and then starting these leadership programs. So it is wow, my you're, you're work. Wow, you're It is beautiful. And is your daughter still involved? She is. We were actually meant to be there in February of 2020 when, you know, all of this um, pandemic started. Yes. (laughs) So that was the next trip. She's not as involved in respect to the leadership programs, but she goes over, you know, to continue the work working in orphanages. Um, Wow. I take people over there now, you know, so it's really become an extended program. It's... um, you know, people actually want to pay things forward. And so that's yep. actually part of, I guess, my strategy when I actually work with people in business. It's really actually allowing them to think about what else, you know, and how else they can contribute. Oh, my God, you are so gorgeous. Okay, so you you said you started off in finance and we are going to do your whole life story in a minute. <laughs> but I'm interested in whether there was a, what started, what gave you the idea about starting your own business? And was there a light bulb moment? Was there um, something that happened that made you go, you know what, I'm going out on my own. I don't want to work for anyone else anymore. Or how did it work? So I, um, I was really fortunate, you know, many years ago, over two decades ago, I was actually um, entrusted by two incredible entrepreneurs who had, you know, something like 14 businesses to start up 
one of their businesses. So basically they said, here's a few million dollars and this oh is what God. we want to do. Yeah, this is what Not we want. Not here's 10,000. <laughs> no, oh, no. no. This, was, this was a massive project. Um, in fact, I don't think I knew quite exactly what I was getting myself in for. But anyway, that's another story. But that so that actually became my journey of starting up businesses. Um, right. But it was obviously for other people and then scaling them. Um, but when I actually stepped out into my own, I guess, platform, there was a defining moment. Um, and you will actually hear me continuously talk about values and boundaries. Right. And so for me, um, it is the cornerstone of the way that I actually do business. So everything is around my values and boundaries around that. So my boundaries got crossed and I was working for a, I, I, it was a multinational. Um, right. I was engaged to do one particular project. Um, in finance? With the, this is still yeah, around the finance thing? It was still actually in that sort of sector. There were, there were differences in the um, businesses. There was IT, there was actually a BPO operation and then finance. So I was engaged to start up a new business. But when I was mm-hmm. engaged, they went, actually, your skill set goes across all of our businesses. Do you mind actually having a look? And basically, I took on board everything. 14 businesses. <laughs> well, you know, this this is actually another company. This is um, a new company just, you know, okay. recently. So um, in that process, uh, I always believe that when you're working internationally, you have to work with the same, I guess, foundations that you would in your own country. And so they were things that I highlighted and so the response that I was continuously getting was, well, actually, you know, these standards are incredibly high here, um, you know, and they're happy. Well, over time, those boundaries actually got crossed for me. And so I was very quick to say, I've already shared, you know, where my boundaries lay and where my values sit. And can you tell me, okay, <laughs> I, I'm going to be nosy and you yep. can tell me to back off, yep. but I'm getting lost in boundaries and whatever. Can you tell me, be a bit more specific, what, yeah. what actually happened? So, you don't have to name names, <clears throat> but just tell us what actually happened. So, you know, I have an, if I have a business and I have people sitting at a desk, this is really basic, but I have them sitting at a desk and their legs actually have to, you know, embody the actual um, legs of the desks. That's not okay right. for me. You know, no. it's really that simple. I, I'm, I still don't quite know what you mean. So you're saying so, that they had to work on their laps? Well, they had to actually work in desks, but their legs, their personal legs actually sat on either side of the desk legs. Because the desk they, was so small? Because they were all cramped in. Right. 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 Oh, so, gosh, and what country was this in? In the Philippines. Right. Right. And so... Yes, they were treated well. Yes, they were actually cared for. However, no employee here in Australia would actually work under those conditions. No. You know, and so my thing is, well, you wouldn't do that to your staff there. These are still your staff. You've got to actually work with the same sort of foundations, the same sort of vendors, you know, have the same values, have the same respect. Absolutely. (laughs) And so it was little things like that. Um, And so... It was one thing after the other where one day, literally, Jules, it was on a Friday, I had a discussion with them first thing in the morning and it was a robust discussion and I'm okay with those. You know, differences are actually really important to take on. And so Mm -hmm. in that discussion, it was just another thing. And so 
I hung up the phone and realised I'm no longer going to compromise who I am. You know, these people are actually looking to me for guidance and for leadership. I'm not going to be a party to this. And so by Monday morning, I had actually already done an entire handover. I'm really, really um, (laughs) anal. So everything that I do is actually about um, imparting information as I go. So, you know, I really don't hold on to anything. So everybody had already been, I guess, gifted a whole lot of knowledge to the point where even my thought processes are actually documented in in any material that I do. So Monday... I I walked into the office, I actually logged out of my entire system, left the keys on the desk, and I left. And just walked out? Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm getting goosebumps. I love it when people are really strong like that. Well. And then what did you do? You went, oh, my God, what have I done? I mean, glad not to be there, but what am I going to do next? (laughs) Interestingly, the next thing was to actually tell my husband I've just done that. <laughs> you know, um, and it was holy crap. You know, I've literally walked, and I have nothing to go into, like nothing, nothing. Yep, yep. Um, and so then, which is become, exciting if you're a certain type of person. I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it actually, what I did was I spent the next three months really, really reflecting. You know, who do I actually want to be known for? Right. You know, what? And then came the next question: What impact? do I genuinely want to make on the world? And so within three months, I, you know, I'm a strategist. The next 18 months is actually, you know, planned out. So I already (laughs) knew, you know, as a minimum, this is what I was going to do for the next 18 months. And this is how I'm actually going to live and walk my talk. So that actually encompassed, um, I'm very big on paying things forward, as you have heard. Yes. What I had actually committed to was um, 60% of my time would actually be dedicated to paying things forward. And so I actually looked at who I wanted to do work with. So I worked with non-for-profits and I worked with people in leadership to ensure that I could pass on what I knew in areas that wouldn't necessarily actually get that sort of, I guess, support, you know, because they don't have the funds. Such as what, what sort um, of areas? So it was non-for-profit pr- predominantly. So I actually yeah. connected with the likes of um, uh, Beaumont people, um, Business in Hills. Um, I actually worked with Race Foundation. And right. so it was really about tapping into all of those areas where I had access to pretty senior people that were being mentored and guided, you know, um, and I was volunteering my time for that. And, I, right. and through the Race Foundation, it was actually about doing mentoring with young kids, so another area that, you know, I'm very passionate about. And then I actually started the consulting and the business advisory, you know, work. So I did that for a good 18 months um, and then I actually really crystallised my work for Tanzania and how I wanted to build right. that. And so that has really become an incredibly large project and it is really going to become global. So for me... Wow, Cathy, I love it. Thank you. It's, it's honestly, I get up every single day, Jules, with a smile on my face because I actually know what I want to do. I'm really clear on that. Makes you a know. difference, doesn't it? When you, you, you've got that drive, you've got that vision and you know you've just got to, you know... One step in front of the other and you'll get there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And because I'm so clear on 
you know, where I want to be, all that I ask myself is, is, it, is this going to actually get me closer or further mm-hmm. from my end goal? That's it. Yeah, great. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, <laughs> so now I want to hear your story. And we're going to go back to school days because I want to know what kind of a family you grew up with, whether you were good at school and liked school, and then we're going to take your whole career up to now. So off you go. (laughs) What kind of a family did you grow up in? So I'm actually first-generation migrant. Um, Ah, so am I. Yeah. (laughs) How old were you when you came here? Oh, no, I was actually born here. Oh, okay. But my brother was six when he arrived. Okay. Um, so um, it was – I had a really interesting upbringing. It was – I was very fortunate, Jules. You know, I look at it as I got the better end of the stick in that I think my parents were so focused on actually creating a life for us, you know, because they left a, a war-torn country. Where were they from? From Greece. Okay. And they literally were in the midst of wars. Like some of the stories are just horrendous. Yeah, I um, bet. And – you know, my my dad was actually ill for most of my life. Um, I remember oh, him lying. Yeah, he look. He spent most of my life lying on the lounge room floor. You know, he was what diagnosed. Did, what did he with have? Stomach cancer and a whole array of other oh, things. Oh, stop! But he survived. You know, wow. it's, it's like some of the things that I, you know, I could share with you. I have lots of stories, but anyway, my mum. <laughs> well, share whatever you want. We've got, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got plenty of time. All right. So my mum actually worked three jobs. You know, I really didn't know her until I was an adult and a parent. Wow. Know? So where did, where, so let me just go back a little bit. Where did they, so they came from Greece. Did you end up in Sydney straight away? Yeah. Yes. That's it. They and, ended up in Sydney. Yep. And there's a brother and you. Is that the extent of the family? All yes. right. And dad yeah. was really sick from when he arrived, pretty uh, much. As, as long as I can remember. So it's got so to be three or four years after arriving, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. How? Oh, my God. Can you imagine as a parent going to a new country and then getting that sick? Oh. You know, he when I actually listened to both my mum and dad talk, um, he had been sick even when he was actually in the army. But he always had this incredible strength, you know, in mind and in body. And so he Mm -hmm. just kept pushing through. There were no obstacles as far as he was concerned. He was incredibly innovative, you know, when I actually Oh, well, I can see see that you've inherited some of that. So, okay, so... um, what did he do for business? What did he do for work? So your mum did four jobs. Was your dad sick and at home really and couldn't work? Uh, pretty much. He actually worked. Um, I remember he worked in the newspapers and printing. I don't know what okay. he did. He worked with, you know, one of the milk companies for a period as well. Um, and that's all that I really know. Because, right. yeah, as a, as a young girl, I don't yep. actually remember him working. So, right, isn't that funny that the way what the, what our mind does to us? I mean, but maybe he didn't. I mean, if he was sick, and your mum was doing that much work, yeah. Okay, so what was school like for you? So I actually went to. This is how stable I am. I was born in Newtown. I was actually born in the house next door to where I live. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah, I've only had to move once. You haven't gone very far. <laughs> no. 
No. Are your parents still next door? No, no, no. Okay. Oh, well, my mum now lives with me because my father passed away a couple of years right. ago. But they had actually moved down the south coast, so an hour and a half away. Okay. Um, and my school was literally, I don't know, 250 metres up the road as an infant. <laughs> <laughs> my, my primary school was about three blocks away um, and it was a little Catholic school. And then I actually went to a Catholic school for high school um, in Glebe. Right. Um, so Did you enjoy it? <clears throat> Were you one of those girls who loved school or just? You know, I was one of those kids that actually did everything. I was very sporty. Um, yes, I was academic. Um, and I actually just fitted in with everybody and anybody. Um, and I kept right. incredibly busy. But I wasn't your traditional migrant daughter. Um, and so, you know, I only started to reflect on this, um, you know, in the last year, really, that I actually really never fitted in. You know, I never fitted into that European um, environment and I really wasn't an Aussie either. Um, but I had a skateboard and a surfboard under my arms, you know, growing up. Which And a great personality, obviously, that, and, and that ability to make friends. So... Yeah, it, it was interesting. And I think a lot of that actually came about because of sports, Jules. You know, I was okay. a state runner. I was a gymnast. Whoa. You know, I used to do all of that sort of thing. Um, but I never did anything Greek. <laughs> um, until I became a teenager and my dad actually, I remember him saying, look, you've just got to do something in the Greek community. And I went, I don't have time. And he went, make time. <laughs> right, and you went, okay, yes, right, sir. Right, <laughs> yes. And so I started to learn how to dance Greek. There you go. <laughs> right. You can do Greek dancing. I can do Greek dancing. That should be, that's my, normally my last question is tell me a quirky fact about you no one knows, but now you've told it to us. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so you finished school in Glebe. What next? Did you go to uni? Um, interestingly, I really did want to go to uni, but it was a time where I recognised um, how – I guess financially embedded my parents were in my education and so I realised, hey, I needed to give back and I was really lucky that, well, I don't know if I was lucky, but back then the, the bank, the CBA, actually used to go around to schools and have their students sit for exams and so even before I had actually sat my uh, final year exams, they had offered me a job. Right. So, so off to the like, banks is the first job. Yep, off to the banks. <laughs> Which is really exciting, I mean, whenever you get your first job, but something like CBA offering it to you would have been very exciting as a teenager. Well, you know, it, would, it never crossed my mind to actually go into banking, finance. You know, I was always very much around um, medicine, you know. I guess oh, that okay. feeling, you know, um, thing. Yeah fascinated me um, and maybe that was actually because I was really raised by my grandmother and so I nurtured her and looked after her you know until she went into a nursing home um, right. and so that was just part of life for me mm. um, interesting yeah. isn't it yeah um, so yes I took off in in the banking career and I <laughs> I have got some funny stories to share with that you know including what I talk about um in my first week, I had these amazing women who um, took me under their wings. And my first job was out at Homebush. Now, if anybody knows Homebush, uh, I wasn't in a city girl. I had no idea where Homebush was, but it was on you the train just line. E even tell by the name. <laughs> I only heard of it because of the Olympics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but 
before that, I don't think anyone had heard of it. Yeah. So that was my first uh, job. So um, in my first week, um, they had actually come up to me one day and they were, in, Jules, they were just beautiful women. But they came up to me one day and they suggested that I go home. And right. I looked at them and I went, oh, why? And then I thought, oh, this is one of those jokes that they play, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, except they weren't joking and they suggested that I go home to change my clothing. Oh. I wasn't wearing ripped jeans or anything like that. <laughs> what were you wearing that, that they wanted you to go home? I was wearing a suit with pants. And you weren't allowed to wear pants? Well, not according to the branch manager. Oh, my God, I can't believe that. <laughs> oh, isn't that just, that just sounds, that, that just sounds so antiquated. <laughs> and, well, I mean, we're presumably we're talking the sort of 80s That's or something. Right. Yep. And, yet, and yet they're acting like it's the 1880s. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, he hadn't arrived in the office at that stage. And I looked at them and I really, I was dumbfounded. And, and then I, I don't know whether I was naive or what, but I quickly pointed out I'd read the handbook and it doesn't say anything about not wearing pants. And they just looked at me, and, you know, and so I said, I'm not going to go home. And so yeah. I stayed. But it was, what was really interesting about that, Jules, was the fact that, yeah, of course I had to have that discussion with him through the day. Yeah. But what I realised was is that, he had actually just, I guess, been told his entire life that women have to look in a particular way. Yeah. And so, you know, our, our discussion basically then led to a really different outcome. You know, over weeks and months, these other women were wearing pants too. Great. It changed the dynamics of the relationship. Oh, that's so good. Um, and I didn't realise, these are all things that, you know, in hindsight I go, oh, yes. my God, you know. Hindsight <laughs> is a great thing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, so when I was actually asked a couple of years ago to actually speak at the Empowered Women Summit, you know, the story, the subject that they gave me was um, share your voice, you know, stand up and have a voice. And I thought, now what do I talk about? And that's the story that I actually share because... I stood up to have a voice, as naive as I was, it actually had an impact. Yeah. And so that's now how I actually look at business. You know, I don't go with what everybody else says. I actually go against the grain. You just you know? do with what you know is right. Yeah, exactly, right. And and when we do that, it actually gives others permission to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's called leading, and you obviously know about that too. <laughs> Okay, so um, you, you worked at the bank. How long did you work for the bank? So I worked for the bank for 14 years. And oh, my then God. Yeah. I thought you were going to say four months or something. No, no. 14 years, blimey. 14 years and, you know, I had the most fascinating roles. Like I don't think I had the same sort of trajectory as most bankers. Right. <laughs> um, it, I spent an enormous amount of time actually changing roles um, and I spent a lot of that time actually working it with business clients and high-profile clients. Okay. So that then enabled it's pretty me nice to, for a young woman. Oh, look, I, I really was privileged. Especially uh, ambitious young woman who wants to make a difference. Well, it was interesting because in my later years, you know, out of 150 people within that particular department, I think there were six females. 
six female managers, right? Um, um, And that was actually pretty difficult times, Jules. I actually... Yes, I can imagine. (laughs) Just on so many levels. It was actually during the GFC. um, And so I had a lot of clients struggling. And so that was another pinnacle point in my career where I actually had a suicidal client Oh um, gosh! Reaching out to me, and I used to work some really stupid hours. But you know, late at night, there's nobody else in the office, and um, my direct phone rang. And that's usually somebody who knows me personally. So I thought, yeah. oh, it's my husband or somebody who's actually going. Hey, when are you coming home? Um, but there was this incredible, you know, she was a catwalk model um, who had actually reached out while she was sitting in her car in the garage. And oh um, god. And, you know, that moment. Thank actually, God she did, actually. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have. That is amazing. She obviously had that second thoughts and thought, yeah. I've got to reach out to someone. Why it was you is kind of yeah. a testament to how great you are, I would say. Well, you know, it's interesting because I look back on that moment and, and ask that question all the time. And the, the only thing that I come up with is how privileged was I that she actually oh, entrusted yeah. me in that moment, right? Um, and the one thing that I recall really vividly is thinking what do I need to do I'm so ill-equipped like you know I can be as good as anybody in business but this has got nothing to do with business um and look I you know I kept her on the phone until her partner eventually came home and you know that story has a good outcome great what that actually made me realize is that I actually needed to do more and I needed to be more Hence the counselling skills. Yeah. So it was that next, the next cab off the rank? Yeah, exactly. So I actually, I, I undertook a four-year degree whilst I stayed in finance. Right. I practised because for me, theory is not good enough. Yeah. So I actually practised for nearly three years. And while working full-time? So you were doing it on weekends or whatever? In the evenings. Right. And on weekends. But at that stage, I was doing quite a lot of travelling. And so in some cases, I had some pretty, you know, um, demanding clients that I would fly back from Perth on a yep. red eye to actually do a session and then fly back out. And wow. so it became it became really difficult. So it was one of those decisions, do I now actually step into the world of counselling and do that permanently or do I stay in finance? So I decided to, that I'd stay in finance but then that then meant that everything that I did, I took all of my counselling skills with me. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Right. So em- Empathy and understanding and compassion are what we all want. So, yeah. you know, you, you sound like you're really starting to round out your, you know, career, your skill set. So what comes after that? 14 years with the bank. Yeah. Did the degree. I actually had stepped out to take a four-year career break. During uh, that looking after the year, kids? Was well, that for kids yes, or why? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was because it was a, you know, stuff you moment um, because my direct report at the time said, you can't take that time off. You're going to get bored, <laughs> right? And so I went, well, bugger you. I'm going to show you. Yeah. So I went, yeah. right, it's four years now. <laughs> Um, so I took a sabbatical and during that time I really did explore a whole lot of different things. I did sales with, you know, um, educational products for, um, for kids. 
Yeah. And I changed that entire business into um, enabling me to go and travel internationally within a few months. Um, wow. I met, I re-met my kindergarten teacher in Malaysia, you know, at a conference. <laughs> How random is that? <laughs> oh, bizarre. Um I then actually met, I guess, you know how I shared earlier, the two incredible entrepreneurs. I met them through my son's school at Montessori and they kept saying, come and work for us. And I kept saying, I don't want to think. Like I don't want a job that makes me think. I've stepped out of finance, you know. And they went, okay, you find whatever job you think, you don't have to think and that's yours. Oh, wow, what an amazing (laughs) offer. Well, you know, that then became the next story. That was, you know, the start up this business, but I actually started with their existing business at the time. And what, what industry were they even in? I, I don't, are you allowed to tell us the business? So they, what they wanted me to come into was finance. However, they were, they had racehorses, they had um, preschools, they had construction companies, <laughs> they had, it was everything. Wow. Right. So just a family run <laughs> business, but amazing. Yeah. Um, and so with that then came this, can you also now start up this new company? Right. So I had, Jules, I had the steepest learning curve, even though I'd been in finance for 14 years, I had no idea that what they wanted to now do was even, it even existed. Right. And of course, the other thing is, yes, you can be in finance in in a bank, but a bank is a very structured, very Mm -hmm. conservative, safe environment, not an entrepreneurial, innovative kind of environment. So that would have probably blown you, blown you away a bit. Oh, it was, it was so different, but I thrive on that. You know, if you put me under pressure, I perform the best. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yep. just that's my place of genius, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, it really became a steep learning curve in respect to legislation. You know, I was just constantly, and I'm talking about thousands and thousands of legal documents that I needed right. to be embedded in. You know, and so. I, you know, I became very good with uh, dealing with lawyers. And, I mean, that was, I guess I was prepped beforehand because I did a lot of litigation work and recovery work when I was with the bank. So that sort of led me into, I guess, being able to stand my own ground when it came to pushing back on lawyers telling me that, you know, I needed to do it this this way. And I'd go, no, I don't. That's your interpretation. Tell me why I can't do this. Yeah. Right? Um, And so then became this journey of this new business. Well, that new business I actually stayed in for 20 years and then started consulting externally whilst I stayed there because I got bored. Um, So, I, you know, with their agreement, I said, do you mind if I actually consult? Yeah. And so what I actually found was that a lot of people in the industry were actually just seeking me out for a whole array of things, you know. Um, And so, and I loved that. You know, for me, it was actually coming up with new ideas and ways to get around obstacles. I don't see obstacles. I just go, oh, okay. Yeah, a problem to be solved. Yeah, let's do it this way. <laughs> and they go, oh. But nobody normally does it. Yeah. Or, or they'll go, but nobody does it that way. And you go, yeah, I mean, there is absolutely, and I know for the TV network, I was talking about it with someone yesterday that I'm going to get up, mm. there is absolute bliss in ignorance, isn't there, in yep. a lot of ways. And, you know, that idea of going blindly into something it it just naivety works because you don't you you will innovate because you aren't bound by you know what what everybody else knows I guess 
Well, I'm a little structured in that way, so I actually apply second and third order thinking. So mitigating the risk is actually really big in the way that I, I do business. Right. Um, so it's always about, well, okay, well, what else can we do? And then actually, and what ha- what would happen if we did this? Right. So we put in all measures. So I'm yeah, really right. about, you know, building on foundational things that are going to be solid and then actually make you respond rather than react to situations. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, you know, talking about um, naive and I guess people actually being prepared to do things differently. Oh, I really don't believe in this fear of failure. I actually think that that's a phrase that people, you know, um, need to made ditch. Up. Yeah, yeah. Need to ditch. Absolutely. I mean, People are actually afraid of starting. They're not afraid of failing. They just don't know where to start. Jules. That's right. That's, That's the reality, right. right? So let's change the lens on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and I'm also over the terminology of resilience. I'm sorry anybody out there that's listening, but if I hear that word one more time, I'm going to actually ask you to sort of step aside so I can just keep moving. Um, what do you prefer instead? Anti-fragility. Oh, yeah. I like right? it. So if we really want to be different, if we really actually want to keep stepping forward, because that's what we need to do, can we actually learn from the past? Can we actually bring those lessons forward, strengthen from it, actually understand what impact we want to make and then step forward? Okay? Because we're not doing anything when we are resilient. All we're doing is actually walking through, you know, the challenges. Well, exactly. It's funny, isn't it? It became a very big word because of the pandemic. And and I guess it was really about being able to keep a positive mindset, which is nothing to do with resilience in a lot of ways. Well, you know, but it's just a yeah. word that got bandied about around, a bit like pivoting. Oh, my God. Don't, oh my God. Don't get me started on that. It's funny because every once in a while pivot or resilience is the right word and you kind of go, "Eh, I don't want to use it anymore. Yeah, I can't use it. (laughs) Let me me tell you something else. Yeah. Um, And so, and the other thing I guess that I I think differently around is a growth mindset. You know, I, I, yes, we all do need a growth mindset, but the reality is, is that we actually need an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, irrespective of whether you are actually an employee or whether you are an entrepreneur, you need an entrepreneurial mindset because you will not be able to look at failure and actually go, you know what, that's actually really good because what I've realised is that this isn't going to work. Yes. But let me pull this part out that did work and actually work out what else I need to do. That's right. And And, and it's it's just... I mean, I always say to people, there's nothing to lose from giving something a go. The worst thing that'll happen is you'll be mm. back to square one, where at the moment you're trying to work out what to do, give it a go. Yeah. I mean, very rarely do we make mistakes that can't be solved in some way. Yeah. You know? Well, that's. And that we can learn from, of that's, course. That's the whole idea. That's the whole premise be- behind anti fragility. It's actually to put in the second and order thinking so that your actual failings are lessons and they're not catastrophic. Yes, you know, that it's re- it, it's really simple, Jules. Like I, I don't know why <laughs> you make people it make it so simple. complicated. <laughs> so, for anybody listening, if you have any issues, Kathy's the woman to talk to because she's going to help you sort it out. <laughs> oh, I would love to. 
you know, bring them all on. That's what bring I say. Bring them on. Yes. Oh, well, you are extraordinary. Now we're almost out of time um, and mm-hmm. I want to just ask you a couple of other questions. Yep. Have you? Can you think of one time in your life, and I know you've told us a few stories about this, but one time in business mm-hmm. where something maybe has looked like it was going to be catastrophic and then you look back on it now and you go, best thing that ever happened because it made me do whatever. Um, I was going to call it a pivotal moment. Let's not use that <laughs> word, but you know what I mean? Like, because yeah, yeah. we, you know, the uh, the older we are and the more experience we have, the more times we've stuffed up <laughs> and learned from it and it's, you know, helped us. But so tell me a story. Um, I'll share a story with one of my staff who actually walked into my office um, absolutely distraught. And okay. I mean, she couldn't breathe. That's how distraught she was. And I said to her, do you need to go home? Yeah. You, like, did something happen to the kids? Like, just go. And, you know, she'd, no, no. And she would just, she couldn't actually speak. And I said to her, What Stop. is it? What the, yeah. like, what's this so serious? Anyway, she had actually overlooked a particular um, process and it meant we had just lost $400,000. <gasps> and I said to her, Okay. So, first of all, great. Thanks for letting me know. You've picked it up. That's yeah. the first step, right? Oh, aren't you lovely? <laughs> but that's the reality, Jules. You know, like, well, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and and then it was, what do you think that you could do, you know, to actually try and recoup that? What you know, who have you spoken to? So it was just sitting down and going, okay, you go off and do that and this is what I will do. And at the end of the day, it's money. You know, yes, we will have a loss to write off. (laughs) But nobody has actually died and you didn't do this intentionally. So let's have a look at what we can do. And then we actually put in, you know, processes that actually mitigate it for the next time around. No, the one thing that I actually took away from that was years later where, you know, she actually came back to me and said, and we recovered the money, by the way, you know, it took a, about a week, but we recovered it. But Wow. Yeah. But in that, she came back to me, Jules, and she said, you know, Kathy, that moment, I actually remembered when I had a car accident and this was what was running through my mind. Right. And she said, my mother actually, the only thing my mother actually said to me in that moment is, how bad is a car? Not are you injured, but how bad is the car? And she said, it actually devalued who I was as a person and I didn't feel worthy, you know, or, and she said, but what you did in that moment was you actually just, you you turned that entire, I guess, blame game around. Yeah. And she said, I will always remember that. Um, As a parent, that's actually now made me realise how I can better hold those moments when they arise and how I then actually react. And so, you know, they're the things that are important to me in in business, Jules. It doesn't matter what actually happens. The priority is actually how we make people feel, whether it's Mm. our staff or whether it's our clients. Um, So that's probably a really big lesson for me. I did that because that's just what came naturally. But now what that made me do is make me become more conscious of situations like that so that I do do things with the intent of making sure that that person feels safe and that they're acknowledged. So, yeah. Oh, you are just divine, I have to say. What a great boss. Okay, um, 
great learning and, and yeah, beautifully handled. All right, a uh, couple of quick little silly questions now. Mm-hmm. First one is uh, really because I've, I don't know how many I've interviewed now, let's say 200 women, mm-hmm. um, entrepreneurs, the number of women that have had burnout who have pushed and pushed and pushed mm-hmm. themselves beyond what their body can cope with. Yeah. And then, and I mean, I had no understanding of this really um, until I started talking to people about having to spend maybe a year in bed because your adrenal system is exhausted or whatever, like just awful things. So my question to you is how do you juggle work and life? What sort of hours do you work? So I actually know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) I thought you were going to go, I know exactly how many hours. It's (laughs) (laughs) 37.4. No, um, but I actually suffered suffered from chronic fatigue and didn't even know that I actually had it. Um, Wow. I used to be sitting in a chair and all of a sudden I'd be collapsed and I would be out for hours and honestly not aware. All that I would feel is this, um, like I'm going to actually throw up and then I would blank out. So I understand. And I used to actually seriously do something around 80 hours a week. So. <sighs> Oh, my God, yeah, yeah, crazy, actually, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. So now, Jules, I actually block out time in my diary, just like you would in a meeting. Great. Right. And so so what are the hours that you block out? Weekends? Um, uh, Weekends, yes, but even during the week. Yeah. You know, I have have hours where I just go um, book. Book, Time out. Book. That's it. As in read a book. No, as in book myself. (laughs) Right, I like it. And I do that every single day. For what, an hour a day? Uh, Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it might be three because I actually decide that, you know what, I'm going to take the dogs to the beach. No, well, I I have to say, I mean, let's have a discussion about this because I'm very much the same and people say, oh, my God, you work so hard. I actually don't. I work very hard from the moment I wake up to about two or three in the afternoon and then I flag. And if I've got no meetings, I literally will take the afternoon off. Yesterday, everyone cancelled all my meetings. I had one in the morning and I thought there's a spot for me on the sofa. I've got a TV show I want to finish watching. (laughs) Not that I actually got around to it till a bit later, but. Like I, I definitely think yeah. that it's that whole thing. I, and I, my, one of one of the profound memories for me was when I was a senior. I was an account director in an ad agency. There were a couple of account service staff below me. Mm. We'd done all our work for the day, and I sent them home. And the boss came out and she said, "Where are they?" And I said. They've gone home. We've, we've done everything we need to do. And she said, I feel like my business is going to go down the gurgler if I don't see people in the office at six. Oh. And I thought, I am so not meant to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. always been do the work and get the work done. I don't care what hours. If you can do it in two hours, you take the rest of the day off. Yeah. And you know what? That is exactly the mentality of millennials and Gen Z. It's about outcome. Right. Yeah. It's and but it should all be about outcome absolutely. because we we don't. I mean, having someone sitting at a desk for a certain number of hours doesn't help anyone. It's just about the outcome. It's about what needs to be done. Yeah. And if yep. and who cares how long it takes someone? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, great. So roughly, how many hours a week are you working now? Then forty. Um. No, I wouldn't say that. I actually work forty. Every week, Great. some weeks, some weeks I do, you know, because I just have to pump some things out. But yeah, I could work as little as twenty. Yeah, great. Um, you know, it's really about where am I actually sitting? What do I actually want to do? And I honestly, I work six months out, so I'm really structured with my clients. <laughs> no, I just find that I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. And oh, I remember no. when I first spoke to you, I said you said something about 
five-year plans and I said, yep. God, I really haven't got any idea. And you said, I know exactly what I'm doing every month for the next five years. I, yep. like, yep. I need more of you rubbing off in my life, definitely. Do you know, the reason why that actually helps me is because then everything in between can become so fluid. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, Jules, I promise you when you actually start to do it, you realise how much more time you have. Yeah, right. You spend less time thinking about what you want to do because you already know. Yeah, okay. So it frees oh. your, your brain. <laughs> you <Yeah>. are amazing. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to ask you because there might be the, I reckon with you there will be plenty of the quirky facts that most people don't know that you want to share. Is there another one? I know that you do Greek dancing. Um, do you play the spoons a- or something? <laughs> No, I was a gymnast and I could probably still do the splits and a cartwheel for you. Stop it. That is amazing. (laughs) All right, that one one definitely counts. Um, And then last but not least, and this is nothing to do with anything other than I'm obsessed with my iPhone and apps and I love them. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't and I accept that if you don't, but if you do, are there any clever business apps that you use on your phone, not, uh, and I don't mean social media and email and stuff or banking. I mean, mm. you know, I use one called Jotnot that um, allows you to uh, scan and, uh, you know, it, it's a scanner, oh, yeah. but it turns yeah. them all into PDFs and yeah. what have you. Have you got any clever ones that we might not have heard of or not really? No. That's I, right. I, I actually am a minimalist when it comes to phones. It's there to serve a purpose and that's that's all I use it for. Right. Yeah, no, that's probably the logical way to do it. I, do, I think I got a little bit carried away when iPhones came out and now I'm on it way too much. Well, Kathy, I don't even know how to say thank you. This has been fabulous. I could keep talking to you probably for about another three hours. So it's a pity that we've got to stop. Uh, but I would say that this will give people a really good flavour of you and what you're doing. If anyone wants to work with you, get hold of mm-hmm. you, or maybe do something to support what you're doing in Tanzania, can you yep. tell everyone all the details, best way to yep. get hold of you? So the best way is really to reach out either by LinkedIn, so mm-hmm. directly with me on LinkedIn, or through my website, which is solutions, with an S at the end, the number two, and then yep. you, Um Fantastic. That'll give you an insight of everything that I do. Great. And of course, and at the end of this, I have to say, I met you because of the amazing Hazel Harrington. We should give her a shout out as well. (laughs) And we both did, what was it? I Am Woman Global USA Talks end of last year, I think it was, or earlier this year. It was was in December. It was just before Christmas. Yes. Um, I'm so glad because I got to meet you. I know. And that's actually the beauty of pausing when you're in the presence of people, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm really, <laughs> really happy that we actually got to chat yes. <laughs> and do this. Um, but more importantly, I'm I'm loving what you're actually doing, Jules. Thank so you let's very actually much, give Kathy. you a, let's give you a bit of it. Because you deserve it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, watch this space. You're going to help me and we're all going to do some amazing things this year. Looking forward to it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thanks, Jules. Love you. Mwah. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.